Hey guys, it's Charles. Are you a lazy millennial like me who doesn't have the time, energy, or work ethic to actually read a book? If so, you're in luck. Head over to audibletrial.com slash settingedge. That's audibletrial.com slash settingedge to get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Once again, that's audibletrial.com slash settingedge. Reading is for chumps. Welcome to episode 66 of the Setting the Edge podcast. I'm Justice Mosqueda. You can find me on Twitter at J-U-M-O-S-Q. I'm here with my co-host, Charles McDonald. You can find him on Twitter at 4 Say what's up to the people, Chuck. What's up? What's up? Uh... It's wild. No, it's not wild card weekend. Last week was wild card weekend. It's a uh, it's a divisional round. Uh, so we're we're gonna just recap wild card re- weekend real quick, and then get into our picks for the divisional games. And there's there, there's I feel like there's a lot to talk about last week, especially whatever happened in that Bills Jaguars game. Yeah, I think we should start with the uh, we'll just go in a row. So it's Titans Chiefs. Um, the Tennessee Titans, I think someone tweeted out from ESPN Stats and Info before the game, it was like 30 minutes before the game, that uh, the Titans were basically, if the Titans would have won that game, that they would have been uh, one of the top four underdogs in the playoff, in the uh, wild card round to ever pull an upset in NFL history. And not only did that happen, but it happened in a uh, second half collapse where the Titans scored, what was it, at least 19 unanswered points yeah. to come out with a one-score win. Um, just really classic Andy Reid game. I mean, obviously the Travis Kelsey injury, like visibly hurt them. Uh, Tyreek, uh, Tyreek Hill dropping three different passes that were like right in his hands for big plays, obviously hurt them. But man, like you could see Tennessee as soon as they got within a score, Andy Reid did the freeze up, like don't throw any pass beyond five yards, keep the clock moving type thing, which. I, I don't know. I feel like we've seen a lot of teams freeze up in that same way. I feel like just uh, to, to a certain extent, Georgia did that in the yeah. national championship game. Um, I, I think there is like there, there's some criticism for Kyle Shanahan uh, just keeping his foot on the gas gas pedal. But I think the difference is in if, if you have a multi-score lead, just keep running the damn ball. You know what I mean? But if you're in a single-score game, you can't assume that your defense is going to hold up, especially if your defense is the Kansas City Chiefs. Yep. Uh, I mean, yeah, that, that was just peak, peak Chiefs, peak Andy Reid. I mean, that that's not as bad, but not as bad as uh, when they lost that game to Andrew Luck when they're up like forty-four to ten, and then yeah, Andrew Luck just turned into like Cam Newton meets Andrew Rodgers in the second half. Uh, but that was just awful. And another thing I want to touch on was if you're the Titans and you go into that game saying that Mike Malarkey's done here. Uh, what happened in that game to make you commit to him for another year? Like, if if what it took was Mariota throwing a horrific pass that gets batted down back to him and escorting and running for a touchdown, that's not coaching. That's just dumb luck. Like, <laughs> like Mike Malarkey didn't call that player or do anything. And even then, like, he had a lot of questionable decisions uh, when they were trying to milk the clock at the end of the game. Uh, it just didn't, you know, like th- there was no process that uh, should affirm to you if you're the Titans owner that Mike Malarkey is the guy after that game because he didn't, he didn't, he didn't do anything. No, and I think uh, someone, someone said that ESPN after the game said that uh, Marcus Mariota was basically calling the plays himself after the first quarter. 
So it's not even like that wasn't even a Mike Mike Malarkey manifestation. That was all on the shoulders of Marcus Mariota. So I really don't understand. Uh, I I do think it's funny though how we've seen we we talked about this a little bit in our group chat and stuff, and we can't figure out why why there's such strong ties for Matt Patricia being in Detroit other than the general manager. We understand the general manager is from New England, uh, but we really don't understand the the fascination with it. Um, Josh McDaniels was always pegged to being to being like a Tennessee Titan, basically. And now that Mike Malarkey has uh, had you know ownership say that he's going to be back next year, like the Josh McDaniels rumors have like died off. I wonder if like Josh McDaniels just like hangs out in New England, and maybe waits out to see if Bill Belichick you know retires or whatever. I, I kind of feel like uh, McDaniels is going to take the Indianapolis job. You think so? Yeah. At least he'll have a quarterback. He won't be able to fuck it up maybe, like he did. Maybe. <laughs> he might That's have true. a quarterback. Oh, like Jacoby Brissett is a better parachute than like what he had before. Because you got to remember, I feel like Josh McDaniels is such a weird case. Because like the moment he got there, he pissed off Jay Cutler. Then he wasn't able to get Matt Castle. And then they ended up drafting Tim Tebow. Like the, the chain of like the domino effects that led up to like his failure. Like that's that'd be kind of hard to replicate. Maybe he'll he'll be able to do it again. But it seems like on paper hard to replicate a failure of that level again. Yeah, uh, I don't know. This league is dumb. It's just it's been such a weird season. Like everything. Uh, yeah, but it, it's it's making more sense as we come down to the wire. Where it's like young quarterbacks are losing, and so is Andy Reid. It's like yeah, that's kind of what happens. <laughs> And the, the Belichick assistants are getting rumored for head coaching jobs. But I guess this time they're going to leave. I, I, yeah, I'm with you. I, I just don't get the appeal with Matt Patricia. They had a horrible defense this year. They didn't have a good defense last year, even though you know they, they won the Super Bowl. Uh, and that defense has kind of, uh, I guess, deteriorated a little bit as they keep shipping away, you know, a Chandler Jones, a Jamie Collins. Uh, oh, but they're, 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 where are they in points, though? But where yeah. are they in points? That's I mean, what everyone says. They are like, fit- well, when Tom Brady doesn't fumble and you guys have, like are in good field position all the time. Like, yeah, point, points are basically predicated on field position, not talent. Yeah, uh, yeah. So they're, they, yeah, the the uh, the Patriots. They're awful in like every category except for sack percentage value and points per play value. That's so I just I just don't get the appeal there. I I think he's just kind of a guy that's kind of coattailed it on Belichick's success. But hey, that's that's more power to him. He's going to get that head coach job. And he's going to have uh, a team where he doesn't have to come look for a quarterback, or at least won't be able to look for a quarterback because they just gave Stafford all that money. But I kind of like Josh McDaniels just. Getting able to work with luck if he's healthy. That just seems like it makes sense to me. Yeah, um, before we move on to the next game, I just want to give one last Matt Patricia take. I, I still think the funniest thing to me would be if Matt Patricia brings the do-your-job stuff to Detroit. Because like, he's supposed to be a rocket surgeon who's supposed to like help us beat the Russians. And these kids are going to look up to him and be like, yeah, just do the one thing you were supposed to do that you were born to do. It's like, no, buddy, you turned all this down to be you know, Defensive coordinator hanging on the coattails of Bill Belichick. Yep. Uh, so let's move on to the next game. The, or my, Atlanta Falcons uh, took on the Los Angeles Rams and really just kind of beat their ass, uh, especially on like the, the offensive side, on the defensive side of the ball. You know, you just didn't really see the the Rams offense get shut down like that versus anybody really, except like Seattle that first time they played them. Uh, 
So it was just it, it was just kind of crazy to see like that defense uh, with all those young guys on just completely shut that offense down outside of you know uh, I think like one or two big Todd Gurley runs. Yeah, and I think you're you're an asshole because you talked me out of taking the Falcons, and that yeah. would have been the only correct call that collectively both of us had the entire week was taking the Falcons yeah, we were here. Terrible. Um, but I do think that when we looked at like the stats profile from the update for like what the Atlanta Falcons defense does and how it matches up with the Rams, we were pretty spot on. We were, we were like the Rams are kind of a you know chunk play offense, and the Falcons just have so much speed on the back end that you know that's that's probably one of the best matchups um, or worst matchups for the Los Angeles Rams offense uh, in the league. I also think like there was so like we were talking about weird stuff. Like there was so much weird stuff happening in this game. Like the Falcons were basically backed up inside the 10 like backed up to san diego every single offensive drive outside of the times that like los angeles rams is uh what was it pro bowl or all, all pro return man muffed two different punts all pro <laughs> yeah like like that that's like the weirdest statistical outlier like ever yeah i, I, that, I don't understand how the hell that happened i think they could play that game a hundred more times and it would not happen one time Nope, but it doesn't matter now. Fal- yeah. Falcons, Falcons in the next round, and they're going against the damn Eagles. Yeah, uh, Aaron Donald <laughs> was beast, just living in the backfield. Yeah, I think I think at the after the Falcons' first twenty passing plays, uh, he had nine pressures according to uh, Pro Football Focus, which is just disgusting. I mean, and like they they had no answer for him. But I thought Matt Ryan did a good job of. Uh, avoiding the va- disaster for the most part and navigating the pocket well, especially in the first half. But uh, yeah, that, I feel that was a. It it was just kind of interesting to see the the Falcons defense put on their big boy pants. You know, after watching them, uh, I guess really since Matt Ryan's been here over the past decade, like they're they're starting to finally look like a real defense, which is uh, it's going to be entertaining to watch them if they can get past uh, the Eagles and, you know, if they draw the Saints or the Vikings, it's going to be a, a pretty fun game. Agree. So the next game, the uh, Sunday morning game, was Buffalo at Jacksonville. I'm on uh, <laughs> I'm on NFL.com right now, and you know how they have, like, links to the big plays in each of these games? Yeah. So the Titans-Chiefs, there were 13. The Falcons-Rams, there were 15. Uh, Carolina-New Orleans was 17. And then Buffalo, Jacksonville, there were five. There were five big plays in the entire game. God, that game, it, it was just, it was, it was just, it set quarterbacking back by like a decade. Like I think that's the way that you have to describe it. Because Tyrod Taylor, you know, he he really fell apart in the second half, I think, before he he left with an injury, and then Bortles, that that was like. Some of the most unorganized quarterback play I think you like you can come across. Uh, he was like missing screen passes, uh, just getting completely lost, and then somehow he ended up scrambling for like eighty nine yards on nine carries. Uh, there were stretches in that game where it looked like like if you had told me this was someone who had never thrown a football before, I probably would have believed you. And that's what's that's what's leading the Jaguars in the Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's not going to be a good matchup. Um, Blake Bortles like run threat being like the best thing at the end of the game like the best option for either offense at the end of the game and the Bills just having too much pride to spy him was probably the most ridiculous thing that I've ever seen in a playoff game to be totally frank um this was the lowest scoring playoff game since I think 1980 um 
just awful. I think you had some stats on Blake Bortles, like his NEA or something. It was like one of the worst six performances that has won a playoff game ever. Oh, yeah. So since 1999, uh, Blake Bortles is one of six quarterbacks to win uh, a playoff game while throwing for less than 100 yards. Uh, the others are... Let me pull it up. One of them was a Joe Flacco game where he had like two yeah, I, two, pick, two picks and beat the Patriots, which I don't remember that game, but it seems amazing on paper. Yeah, I actually remember that game. So the, I have it up now. So you have Bortles this Sunday. Uh, Mark Sanchez... In 2010, uh, against the San Diego Chargers, of course the Chargers are on this list. Mark Sanchez against the San Diego Chargers, uh, he threw, he completed uh, 100, he completed 12 passes, 23 attempts, 100 yards, one touchdown, one interception, in a win. Uh, then the week before that, so this is still in the same playoffs, you had two performances like that. You get the Joe Flacco game where he went four for 10, 34 yards, uh, one touchdown uh, in a 33 to 14 blowout of the Patriots. I actually remember that game because uh, uh, on the local news here, there was uh, they were talking about how John Harbaugh let he was going to let a kid with cancer call the first play, and the first play of the game, this kid called you know like they just gave him some uh, basic options to choose from. So it was like a, an ISO left play, and it went 80 yards for a touchdown, which is a uh, which is pretty cool. And then Brady threw three interceptions, and they just got blown the fuck out. And then uh, there the only good game on here was Michael Vick. Uh, against the St. Louis Rams in 2005. He went 12 for 16, 82 yards, and two touchdowns, but he also rushed for, like, over 100 yards. So that's actually a, a decent game. Um, shout to Buffalo Bills fans for and, – and, their, and uh, the Buffalo Bills players for taking, like, every low-ground route possible to this loss. Yeah. Uh, did you see that uh, the article on that? The, the Buff- Buffalo Ramblings, the SB Nation blog? Yeah, I just yeah. I just saw that right before we came on. Where they're like, it was, what was it? It was a dude who, who boycotted who the whole season, and then he ended up watching the playoff game. Because, oh, my favorite team made the playoffs in 17 years, or however long I've been. I can't not watch. Like, whoa. Garbage. Garbage. Leave him behind. It's almost like uh, you, you aren't really that mad at the NFL, and you're just a racist. Uh, let's see. The next game, the final game, was the uh, Saints-Panthers game. I mean, Cam Newton was incredible in that game, and uh, it still wasn't enough. There, you know, I feel like we've, we've been saying this for, you know, I guess really since Steve Smith left. Uh, when are they going to get Cam some weapons? Like, what's the deal there? I don't know, but with North Turner there now, it's <clears throat> it's all going to be like post like post digs, man. It's all going to be like seven-man protection, play action, post digs, and then like Christian McCaffrey will be like on a swing route as an outlet in case one of the two deep routes aren't open. It's going to be gross, man, especially because the thing is like I can at least understand Curtis Samuel, right? And like you were saying, he was kind of breaking out before he got hurt. He's got some speed. I understand him in that offense. But if you're using Devin Funches to be that guy – and he has to run deep and win those routes constantly as like one of two options. That's gonna be that's gonna put Cam in a horrible spot, man. Like they just that they they got worse at offensive coordinator and they fired a bad offensive coordinator. Yeah, now we have the uh, we have the reunion of of uh, North Turner and Matt Khalil, which and like uh, North Turner's entire family. Yeah, there's four. There's so it's what North Turner his. His brother, his nephew, and his son. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, all working for the Panthers. In case uh, 
you guys, some of you guys still believe the NFL is a meritocracy. You just need one person to actually make it, and they can just bring everybody else along. There, there, are, there are more, there are more Turner's coaching quarterback spots for the Carolina Panthers than there are black quarterback coaches in the NFL right now. But that's that's joke. crazy. Yeah. That's not that's not a joke. It's just sad. Um, so this game, Carolina, New Orleans, Carolina probably should have won this game. Um, if they didn't mess up in the red zone so often, they probably would have won this game. Um, I think at one point, either in the second or third quarter, they had like nine different first downs in enemy territory and only had like 12 points to show for it, which is just like mind like that's a riddle. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it's hard to be that inefficient once you cross across the 50. Um, the New Orleans Saints thing was kind of weird because I think I do think that that offense is so high powered that like you kind of have to choose. When you're going into these games, you have to choose like how to make a team left-handed. And like we said uh, in the preview, like if Drew Brees is your left hand, like throwing to Michael Thomas, that's that's not a bad option. And that's basically what happened. Um, the Saints weren't able to run basically all day, but uh, you let Drew Brees out, and Drew Brees, you know, despite what fantasy Twitter says, is still pretty good. Yeah, uh, I mean, even with all like we we still talked we talked so much about how the Saints became, you know, like the Smash Mouth run uh, running offense. Uh, but they were still third in adjusted net yards per attempt value. Uh, so <laughs> when they needed, when they did need to throw the ball, they were still pretty ruthlessly uh, efficient at that. Um, and another cool thing that I didn't realize was like when I was going back uh, and getting those numbers that you asked for, I didn't realize in 2016 uh, they they were first in tackle for loss percentage value on offense as well. So they really just kind of needed. Yeah, uh, that offensive line is crazy. That offensive line was nuts. They just needed kind of a counterpunch to Mark Ingram. Yeah, and uh, they they definitely got that. So uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see if if the Saints can kind of get this run game going though a little bit, just because uh, you know they weren't uh, fantastic last week uh, against the Panthers, and then they kind of got slowed down by the Bucks and the Falcons before that. So it's it's going to be a challenge, obviously, versus that Vikings defense, but. Like you said, if if Drew Brees is your left hand, you you probably have a pretty good shot at winning the Super Bowl. Yeah. So should we get into these uh, this divisional round, not wild card round, divisional yeah. round games? Yeah. Uh, do you have the spreads? Yes, sir. Uh, we're getting all of these from BetOnline.ag because that's that's where I choose to lose my money this week. Um, so first game, the uh, not the morning game. It's one one thirty five. Uh, Pacific time. Atlanta Falcons at Philadelphia Eagles. The Atlanta Falcons are now three-point road favorites. They are the first team to be a road favorite against the number one seed in the divisional round. Um, how how confident are you going into this game? Because I feel pretty confident after, you know, Nick Foles put up a zero, right? He put up a big old egg against the Dallas Cowboys last week of the year. He had a four. He went four for 11, 36 yards in an interception before they pulled him. Woof. Yeah. Uh, and I actually have Nick Foles's uh, Nick Foles's stats for for the year. Uh, so he went uh, his his adjusted net yards per attempt was four point seven five, which is that's awful. awful. That's that's like Brock Osweiler last year. Yeah, his yards per completion dropped from like Carson Wentz was at twelve point five, I think, and uh, Nick Foles is at nine point four, uh, which is I mean you're talking nine point four yards on completions like that's that's pretty. Horrible. Uh, he's completing fifty six percent of his passes, and he's getting sacked at about five percent of his dropbacks. So, I mean, I, I just, after last week, and uh, I, I like the way the Falcons' offense or Falcons' defense matches up with the Eagles' offense. Uh, 
Like if 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 as as a Falcons fan going into that game with Desmond Trufant and Robert Alford, like I'm not afraid of Alshon Jeffrey or, or Nelson Aguilar at all. So I, I think you know if, if you just run through uh, Nick Foles' targets, he's checking it down to Zach Ertz a lot. So I think the Eagles they're gonna have to play pretty flawless game to pull this out uh, with Nick Foles as their quarterback. But I like the Falcons minus three just because uh, like if you can get the Falcons minus three and the under, I think that that's the way to go. Yeah, I think I think that's the way I'm leaning to is Falcons minus three just because the Eagles are bad. Um, I, I don't know, man. Underdogs hit the entire time. I wonder if favorites it kind of evens out this week. I bet Vegas is going to need uh, the Eagles bad in this one because I can't imagine any non-Eagles fans putting money on the Eagles right now. Because even this, like if you flip it, it's Atlanta 9 at home. Um, I would have to think before taking the Eagles. Like, that's not a layup for me taking the Eagles plus nine if it were in Atlanta. So I, I really do think that, you know, the Falcons – and they're, they're kind of – as long as they don't run that little damn wide receiver cro- crack thing where they pull Jake Matthews to get him in open space and, like, put Julio Jones on a D-end, like, it'd be Brandon Graham, right? That that's that would probably be awful and, like, cost them the game like it did, they did against the Miami Dolphins. But other than that, like, you if you just, like, super sim this game 100 times, how many times did the Falcons win? Like, 75? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, look, Nick Foles, he just, he got wrecked by the Raiders defense, uh, which I believe finished. And they're, they're bad. They're like the one of the two worst defenses in the league. Yeah, I think the Raiders, they uh, they finished last in, uh, yeah, finished last in uh, adjusting the yards per attempt value. So they're bad there. And then the, the Cowboys game was not great before they, they ended up pulling him. So I just don't know how, how you can feel good about Nick Foles going into this game. And I, I think the Falcons can do just enough. But what's inter- interesting about the Eagles defense to me is that uh, even with that defensive line, they don't get a lot of sacks, which is weird. Like they're 22nd in sack percentage value. And I think on football outsiders, they're 19th in a uh, adjusted sack rate, which is the worst of any playoff team uh, left, which is when you just, when you just think about all the guys like Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Chris Long, uh, Timmy Jernigan, Vinnie Curry, Derek Barnett, uh, you, you just think that they would sack the quarterback more often than they do. Yeah. I, I really don't know what to make of that. Cause that's a team that's clearly talented on the defensive line and that shouldn't be an issue at all. Um, that might be something where it's like pressures and things like that aren't being valued correctly by us. Um, I think it's the same thing for their offensive line, where their offensive line is basically like average in our numbers, and they're clearly not average. Like outside right. of one spot, wherever the tackle is hurt, like they're really, really, really good. Um, so I think that's probably a flaw in our numbers, but it's kind of a unique flaw. I will say one thing to watch in this game is Philadelphia Eagles in uh, short yardage situations. Because the Eagles are awful in short yardage situations just because of their ground game for whatever reason. Like, it's a lot of that was basically masked by Carson Wentz making plays, uh, you know, either on third down or in short yardage situations, whatever it may be. And now that he's not there, I think we kind of see what the Eagles are if he's not there to be a hero. And I think there are legitimate questions moving forward to be like, I, I, like Carson Wentz is good, right? I, I'm not going to debate that ever, right? Yeah, no, um, there's no point. He's, he's, he's very clearly good right now. But if we're talking about the pure numbers and how sustainable they are, his third down numbers are insane. His short yardage numbers are insane. And if we use those to like predict uh, the next year, I, I wonder if there's a little bit of a come down in that type of situation. Well, yeah, I, I think there's going to be, and it's it's like the Falcons offense. You know, those type. I know it's only once his second season, but 
you know, to be that like historically efficient, those tend to be outlier years, which is why you know they're historically efficient. So, uh, yeah, that that's definitely gonna be a thing to to keep an eye on. And it, it's it's crazy, like when you watch them without Wentz or watch them with Foles, they're they're just really really reliant on Wentz to go and and make those plays for them on offense. And I, I think that him. Uh, Wentz, along with Peterson, did a good job of making their receivers look better than they are. I guess still don't get that Alshon Jeffrey contract, but uh, it is what it is, I guess. So uh, you, to, to expect Nick Foles to be be that against a, uh, a an improving Falcons defense is, is a bit much. So Falcons, minus three. Yes, sir. Uh, next game, Tennessee Titans at New England Patriots. This is, again, a Saturday game. The Titans are 13.5-point underdogs. 13.5-point underdogs in the divisional round with a starting quarterback yeah which might be the, yeah like i don't know if anyone's ever been this big of an underdog with a starting quarterback i just don't know what to do i mean i i i i kind of just like the patriots to just blow them out i just i don't you know there's no way the patriots are going to get caught in the same situation that the chiefs did last week uh no. And no. So the the only the literally the only way that the Titans I can see Titans win this game is if Derrick Henry just goes off for like two hundred yards on like nineteen carries or something like that. It has to be some bad defense bullshit and then Brady throws two picks. Yeah. I mean the 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 uh the Patriots do have one of the worst run defenses in the league, so uh that's Shout, yeah. That's one thing we didn't talk about. Shouts to the Tennessee Titans for finally realizing that Derrick Henry is a better running back, but only because Demarco Murray physically could not be on the field. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you know, if Derrick Henry can can get loose, maybe it's interesting. But still, like I think Brady's going to shred that that Titans defense, and then it's, it's just going to be too too big a hole. If if you're the we we I think we talked about this a couple episodes ago. How the AFC basically runs through. Uh, Gronkowski until someone figures out how to cover him. Who in the hell on the Tennessee Titans are you putting on Gronk? It's going to be like Cyprian. Good night. Yeah, um, I think I'm going to tease this one to Tennessee plus 19 and a half, and I'll figure out which one of these Sunday games I want to put it on. But I want to stay away from this line as far as possible as long as it's you know adjusted. Yeah, I'm just going to take the uh, the uh, the Patriots to cover that. All right, good luck, you and you and Tommy Boy. Um, have you seen? I think uh, I was looking at numbers last night, and the two most likely uh, conference winners were the Patriots and the Steelers. So, like we said in the, I, I wrote about this in our Steelers preview for the update. I said uh, take take uh, the Steelers Super Bowl odds, and we'll figure out how to hedge it when they play the Patriots in uh, the AFC Championship game because it was like the most predictable thing ever. And like we're there, like the NFL is a meme. Yep, uh, man, I'm I'm just tired of watching like, Belichick and Brady beat up on the Steelers. But that's, I feel like that's exactly what we're headed towards. Because uh, I, I mean, I don't think the Titans have any real chance to win this game, which is obviously why the spread's so high. Like I wouldn't be surprised if this ends up looking like a. Uh, you remember that uh, the year that Tebow beat the Steelers, and they went to the Patriots and just got completely shit housed, like forty five to seven. I'm I'm aware. Yeah, I'm aware. I think that that's what this game is going to end up looking like. So, uh, um, since two since 2003, there's been one AFC Championship game winner who wasn't Tom Brady, 
Peyton Manning, who has now been retired for two years, or Ben Roethlisberger. One time. One time since 2003. So kids who are 15 years old have only seen basically three AFC Championship winners and Joe Flacco getting lucky. It's disgusting. God. <laughs> it's a fake league. That's why I was talking. I was joking with you where I was like, should we even cover the AFC next year? Should we just cover the NFC? And just like, yeah, Brady and Brady and uh, Ben Roethlisberger are going to make it to the AFC Championship every single time. Yep. God. I'm just, I'm, I really hope the Jags can pull it off because I'm just kind of getting tired of it at this point. But, uh, yeah, so I'm on the Patriots minus 13 and a half. Uh, let's move on to the next game. What's the, what's the uh, first game on Sunday? It's Jacksonville at Pittsburgh. Okay. Yeah, Jacksonville at Pittsburgh. That's the, the 105 kick on East Coast time, I believe. Uh, Steelers, three or seven-point home favorite. So if this were in Jacksonville, they would be a one-point favorite. I just don't I, I this is I don't really like this spread either just because you know I feel like 7 points is a lot for you know if you're going against that defense and uh but at the same time like we we just talked about it. Blake Bortles whatever he did on Sunday like if he if he pulls out against the Steelers they're they're going to get blown out like they will have no chance uh like, It's Bort- not cuz their their defense is way better too like I think Pittsburgh's defense is really underrated people talk about the triplets and that offensive line all the time the Steelers' pass defense is, like, legitimately great. Yeah, they uh, finished 10th in adjusting the yards per attempt value, and, and they actually finished finished first in sack percentage value, uh, which is kind of crazy considering how much we talked about the uh, Jaguars' pass rush this year. But the Steelers edged them out in terms of sack percentage. So if, if you're going to pull that stuff that he did and miss those screen passes, and then he should have had two picks versus uh, the Bills that both got dropped, or, or one got dropped and the other, D.D. Uh, D. Westbrook had to play cornerback on it. So... If he comes out and plays like that, they're going to get smoked. And, you know, people talk about how the Jags beat them last time. But, you know, just to get to 30 points, they had uh, two pick sixes and then a 90-yard touchdown run after it was kind of out of hand. But those are rare plays. And also five interception games are, are huge outliers. So they, they tend to be. So I don't think you're going to ex- you're gonna see Big Ben play that poorly again. Uh, but, man, seven points against that defense is a lot. I think uh, – what what are you thinking for this one? I think what I'm going to do is this is the tease the the second leg of the tease. If I can get Pittsburgh down to minus one, Titans plus nineteen and a half, I'm fine with those numbers. Yeah, that works. Uh, why not Why not tease it the other way for this for the Patriots game? I don't know. That's just a lot of points, man. I'm I'm scared. I'm scared of I'm scared of teasing things down to like. What would that be? Seven and a half? That's still a multi-score game. I'd be worried about that. I think there's more value in teasing, you know, big underdogs, you know, even more to even larger underdog numbers. But I also lost money doing that with the Jets against Oakland. Like, basically, I, I had to renovate. I had to move my entire house after that week two loss. So, I don't know. I could be a bozo. I also went 0-4. <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm going to tease the Steelers down to uh... – to a one point favorite then and then uh and then take the Saints on the other half the teaser. Alright, sounds good to me. Um do you, you want to move on? I mean I, I don't know how much more I can talk about Orioles against Roethlisberger. I mean even last time and another thing, last time when the Jaguars played the Steelers, Blake Bortles he didn't he didn't throw for hundred yards. He was uh eight for fourteen, ninety five yards and an interception, so 
Like, I feel like there's a lot of stuff going on with that Steelers team too, because that was like in the middle of like the Andrew, the Alejandro Villanueva stuff, and then um, wasn't that the game where they asked Roethlisberger if he still had it or whatever? Yeah, he was like, I might just retire. Like, I, I feel like there was a ton of things going on with the Steelers at the time. Like, we thought Mike Tomlin was going to lose the locker room. Yeah, um, yeah, but you know. Blake Bortles on the other side. I, I feel like we are comfortably headed towards uh, a Steelers-Patriots reunion in the AC Championship game, and then the Patriots game thro- the Patriots throttling the Steelers in the second half of that game, like they always do. And uh, the Patriots will be back in the Super Bowl. But I, I really do hope the Jaguars win, just because I I, I just want to see Brady against that defense. Uh, and I also, wanna, it- I want to see what happens when they take away Gronk from Brady. Because if you could take away Gronk from Brady, I think that offense is completely different. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I mean, that that's got to be the matchup that we're hoping for because we are, we already saw what Gronk did to Sean Davis. I think it was like nine for mm-hmm. nine catches, ten targets, and like over a hundred yards and a touchdown. So come on, Jags, let's get it done. Uh, the last game, the New, New Orleans at Minnesota. My dad, who's a Falcons fan, was texting me during the Falcons Rams game, and it was like, I really don't think I can handle a New Orleans Saints Atlanta Falcons NFC Championship game. That's what I'm rooting for, honestly, just because it would just be so reckless on Twitter for the week leading up, and then the, the game would obviously have a lot of energy towards it, too. It, it would be really fun. Um, this line this line's moved a little bit, and I think it probably should have a little, because I, th- I thought at one point the New Orleans Saints were probably the best team in football before injuries started to take hold of them. Um, but then after last week, like they probably should have lost against the Carolina Panthers. I thought this game was going to be minus four Minnesota. It's minus five now. Why? I don't know. I don't know. if So if this game were in, I mean, I guess that makes New Orleans a one-point favorite in New Orleans. But I don't know. That that seems a little high to me. Like, I don't think there's that big of a difference between Minnesota and New Orleans. Neither do I. And in, I feel like we're in a situation where these teams are – are fairly even, and I'm I'm gonna take Drew Brees on that one. Uh, I, I I you know Drew Brees or Case Keenum. Uh, yeah, and the thing with Case Keenum is, and uh, our pal Arif Hassan has has done some work on it over the past uh, few weeks. Is even though his stats aren't dropping, he's he's kind of you know reverting back to being Case Keenum uh, a little bit throwing the football. So. I just, I just think in this situation where you have teams that are, I, I at least I think are are fairly even. Uh, I'm just gonna take, uh, I, I'm gonna end up, I'm gonna take Drew Brees over Case Keenum every time. Uh, Woo. Oh, okay. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm gonna take Drew Brees. So I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna tease this to uh, Saints plus eleven then. Right, sounds good to me. Um, I'm just gonna take Saints plus five. Is is so? Let's talk about the Case Keenum thing because if you looked at Case Keenum's stats and it came with the title Case Keenum, um, I feel like you could pretty much figure out like, hey, uh, these stats probably don't reflect talent, one hundred percent, right? Like I, I feel like a so, like a casual fan can figure that out. Um, what in the hell would you do if you were the Vikings? Because the issue is no one's ever really like franchise tagged and drafted a quarterback in the first round. That was one, one thing that uh, our friend Derek Clausen was talking about in one of our group chats. Like it's kind of an either or thing. So like, do you just go into the draft with no quarterback or do you tag Keenum or do you like kind of low ball 
Sam Bradford and, and Teddy Bridgewater and have them fight for each other and let Keenum walk? Like, I, I have no idea what you do if you're in Minnesota situation. Man, it's tough. But, uh, I mean, I think you tag Keenum and, and let Sam Bradford walk. Uh, just because, like, you know, what's the, what's the point of giving him a contract? Uh, you you already have one quarterback with a, with a bad knee. You don't really need to bring in – you don't really need to bring him back because, like, he added – that much value to your team while he was there. But, uh, man, I think, yeah, you got to let Sam walk, franchise tag, Case Keenum, and hopefully Teddy gets healthy enough to have a legit QB battle with him uh, in the summer. Is Teddy, do we know if Teddy's going to be a free agent? I just assume he's going to be a free agent. Oh, yeah, oh, his contract's up, isn't it? Yeah, because there was some weird, there was a weird thing about, uh, well, I can't remember what the hell they called it, but it was basically... It was, it was the same thing with AJ McCarron, where it was like if you're injured to a certain point, then like it doesn't count on your rookie contract. But I think that because Teddy played, that it doesn't count anymore. He's going to be a free agent. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, so, yeah, man, I I I I would guess that Case Keenum is going to be back for sure. Uh, and then yeah, if they draft the quarterback in the first round, I mean that'd be the savvy thing to do. But I, I don't know. think I don't think it's gonna, like you can't franchise tag a dude and take a guy in the first round. Why like, not? I it's think, Case Keenum. I understand. Then why are you franchise tagging him? Why because are you giving he, him? Because he played well. Fine. Okay. Then take a take a guy in the second round. I guess. But I mean, I don't even know who that would be this year. Mason Rudolph. Like yeah. it'll be Mason Rudolph. Like I mean, that, or Luke Falk. Or maybe you, you take a quarterback. You franchise tag Case. Take a quarterback in the first round. and Someone trades for Case. I don't know. Like the Jets. I don't know. Uh, this is a reminder that Jeff Fisher put a first-round tender on Case Keenum and trotted him out like he was going to be the savior of the franchise and then drafted a quarterback first overall. Yep. Who he – I mean, it's just despicable, like, what they – like, how bad the Rams were compared to how good they were this year. Like, Jared Jared Goff looked like he shouldn't even be in the NFL, and now he, like, he led the league in adjusting the yards per attempt uh, this year, so – like Jeff Fisher should never coach again, but knowing the NFL, he's probably going to end up on somebody's staff this offseason. I would bet. Uh, I think so. I mean, people were saying that he was giving, getting uh, head coaching candidate consideration. So, yeah. Uh, and but look, if John Gruden can get back in the league after winning a Super Bowl with Tony Dungy's team and taking a decade off, and get a ten-year, hundred million dollar contract, I'm not. Uh, Anything can happen in the NFL. This, this is like the league that makes the least sense of all the major sports leagues in America. It's pretty It's pretty ridiculous, especially when you see <clears throat> all these offensive coordinator hires. Like, Joe Philbin is going to end up being the best offensive coordinator hire in the NFC, and I'm not even sure. Like, I hated that. What did you say? You went out for a second. Oh, my bad. I said uh, Joe Philbin's going to end up being, like, the best offensive coordinator hire in the NFC, and I hated the hiring at the time, like, in a vacuum. But then I see, uh, you know, North Turner get hired, and basically North Turner and co., and then uh, fucking Mark Helfrich with the Chicago Bears. God damn, bro. I'm so happy about that. We got to get him to ruin a young quarterback. That's cool. All right, so, like, Chicago Bears aren't going to be anything for, like, the next— I, I don't know. I feel like I, I I mean I feel like Nagy's still just he's gonna be alone calling plays, right? Like Nagy, an, Nagy called Nagy called like a month of plays in in, in Kansas City before Andy Reid cucked him and was like, No, I'm taking over in the playoffs and we're gonna choke like we always do. Uh I mean Nagy took responsibility. He said he called all the plays in that playoff game. He uh, lied. Breaking he lied. breaking news, he lied. Okay. 
<laughs> okay. That was, that was an Andy Reid special, baby. Like, dude, th- that is that is. I've I've seen that playoff game my entire life, basically. That was an Andy Reid special. Yeah, and speaking of the Bears, they just signed Vic Fangio to a three-year contract. So good for him. I don't know what to what. What are your thoughts on hiring Mike Pettin? Because I don't really have any other than like he still has brown stench on him. Well, I don't. I, I've I, I just like went back and looked at just really like five minutes how his past defenses were, and obviously when he was with uh, when he was with the Jets, like that that defense was incredible. I mean, they got Mark Sanchez to two AFC Championship games, uh, but you know when he did move on to Buffalo, they were third in just in that yards per attempt value for that. They, game. they had a crazy defensive line though because like jerry hughes was like the third guy on that line behind kyle williams and or no what, what was it they had mario williams kyle williams marshall darius and jerry hughes like it's kind of hard to fuck that one up yeah so so after buffalo he gets hired by cleveland and his first year in cleveland he handles the defensive duties and they finished third in adjusting the yards per attempt value uh and then the last year he was there in 2015 he uh gave the reins to jim o'neill who 49ers fans know well, and they dropped from third to 31st. And then when Jim O'Neill got hired by Chip Kelly in San Francisco last year, the 49ers gave up 176 rushing yards per game and like 425 <laughs> yards per game on the season. They gave up, uh, I was just looking at it uh, earlier today, and I, just, I didn't believe it. The last season, the 49ers, they gave up 2,625 rushing yards and 25 rushing touchdowns. Like, I, yes. I, there, do you not remember the stats about the consecutive hundred yard games? Yeah, they, had, they allowed like ten of them in a row or something like that. I, I know they. It was a like from the start of the season too. It was like, it was for a long stretch that they were uh, allowing hundred yard rushers, but just to see two thousand six hundred twenty five yards rushing yards in uh, you know I guess twenty sixteen is just kind of ridiculous. And uh, oh, John O'Neill. Uh, speaking of the Raiders, he's interview, interviewing for their. Uh, for their uh, DBs coach and linebackers coach. Oh, I, I saw a senior defensive assistant, which I thought was funny because he's not even a 40-year-old. Like, how can you be a senior defensive assistant if your, like, NFL career is basically being, like, I think, what was it? I think he was, like, an analyst or something like that. I forget what you call it. Um, he was, like, an analyst and then was basically a coordinator for two very bad teams and, like, a linebackers coach one time. So, yikes. Yeah, uh, just a lot of nonsense going on in the league, but... That's what makes it so beautiful. Uh, so, yeah, I think we should, that... talk, we should talk about something real quick. Uh, Senior Bowl in two weeks. Chia, chia. Um, we'll probably do some Senior Bowl preview stuff next week. I would assume. Yeah, there's I, only going to be two damn games to preview, so we got to fill time somehow. Yeah. Uh, how many guys have you seen? Uh, like twelve. Who Who are the guys that you like so far? Uh, Maurice Hurst, uh, Denzel son, Ward. Um, is Denzel Ward at the game? I th- oh, I oh, you're talking about senior Ward. bowl guys? Oh, in terms yeah, of senior bowl guys, say, I, I think, like, I've, I think Ward. I've, I've watched Maurice Hurst and then uh, I watched, I got sidetracked and started watching quarterbacks. So I really, I'm so behind <laughs> on the senior bowl stuff, honestly. God damn it. Okay. Um, Denzel Ward also is going back to school. He announced that yesterday. So I thought he declared for the draft already. No, he he said that he's going back to school, and it was a very big upset. He's going to be top five in everyone's first round mocks next year. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, 
All right, so yeah. Right, I, so you, you got some fucking tape to watch then. Yeah, Go. no, I do. Wait, it's, it says it right here, January 8th. Denzel Ward enters uh, 2018 NFL Draft. This is 19 hours ago from the Toledo Blade. Always use Paris Campbell, Demontre Jones. Oh, Demontre Jones. Oh, maybe Denzel Ward de- did declare. Maybe I got Den- uh, Paris Campbell and Denzel Ward mixed up. Okay. Oh, yep, super did. I saw 21 on a jersey and assumed it was Denzel Ward. Okay. Uh, I'm fake news. I'm uh, sorry. That's the quality analysis you get set in the Edge podcast. Uh, so, yeah, I think we, that's a good place to stop it. Uh, so we have the Eagles. Uh, I mean, I mean, not the Eagles. The, the Falcons. Uh, <laughs> I was like, you got the first pick, Rock. Yeah, All no, right. we're both on the Falcons. Our, both... our Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, you got Our it. New Orleans Saints. Our... Pittsburgh Steelers, and then I'm teasing the Titans. You're taking the Patriots, and I'm teasing the Titans with uh, the Steelers. Yeah. So I mean, let's let's all pray that we get Falcons, Saints, and Patriots, Jaguars. So, or even you know, just for the hell of it, like Titans, Jaguars would be absolutely hilarious. If it would be chaos, if, bro. Yeah, it, it would look. As <laughs> much Super Bowl as, would look like those like '80 Super Bowls where the NFC just beat the dog shit out of the the AFC team. Yeah, so like if you, it would just be so funny if, after all these years, you know, uh, like I guess almost the past twenty years of the AFC being dominated by Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning, and Tom Brady, like the two quarterbacks to become, or the, the two quarterbacks to defeat them in the playoffs this year would be Marcus Mariota on his worst season as a pro, and then Blake Bortles just you know being Blake Bortles. That's what I want for the chaos. Agree. Yeah. So right, five star reviews. Five star reviews conclude episode sixty six seventy edge. We'll be back next week with senior bowls and uh the NFC championship games. Rise up.